No matter if you want to go with the points or if you just want to go with the eye test, there's an undeniable fact that this year, Howard was the class of the MEAC. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast. Your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and now contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode starts off with a quick word from our sponsor, Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts in the world. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. And when you use the promo code locked on college, you will get a free Yeti Tumblr back free of charge with whatever your purchase is. And today's episode will end off with history. Yes, I'm talking about Paula Salmon because she just made history and not only North Carolina A&T, but then also the CAA. Before that, we highlight, we highlight how Alabama A&M is entering into an era of innovation, but we start off today's show with the headliner, and that is Howard Athletics. Men's athletics, women's athletics, no matter how you try to carve it up or slice it or what you decide you want your metric to be, the Howard Bison were the class of the MEAC in 2022 to 2023. Now, I said that last year. I had my own grading scale. I had my own numbers. But you know what? This year, I'm coming back with a significantly more reputable source, a significantly more trusted source, and that's the MEAC in and of themselves. Yes, the conference themselves have came out, and they have said that Howard is the best athletic program, men's and women's, in the conference. Now, there's four ways, four major reasons that I personally believe this is an undeniable fact. Everybody can have who they like. You can be a Delaware State alum. You can be a fan of, of North Carolina Central. But to me, there is no questioning that Howard has been the top dog in the MEAC in 2022 to 23. And I'm going to use this conference to back me up because let's go with the eye test. Ditch the point system that we're about to, that we're about to outline. Let's throw that all out the way. Who has the most championships? Howard. Howard has four outright championships of their own, the most in the conference of any school. They have six total if you want to count the shared titles that they have, which is also most of any school in the conference. So if you just want to go through the straight eye test and who's winning, right, let's just look at the championships because sometimes these teams win from an accumulation of being above average in everything and not bad in anything. No, Howard was excelling. But if you just want to go to the major sports, Howard has that on lock. If you want to actually look at the all sports awards, the MEAC was awarding that to Howard on the men's side and the women's side. 
And then lastly, the last reason, because those are the first three, is if you just combine the point totals, which is what I personally look at, all four of these metrics favor Howard. It's an undeniable fact. If you, Matter of fact, I'm not going to say it's undeniable. I'll allow you the chance to tell me why you deny it, if you do. Right? Let's have a little Ray J moment where Ray J said you can't break these glasses. You can't break them. You can't deny this fact to me. So, wish you luck. Now, that all being said, let's get into this point, this point system. Let's get into this all sports award so that you can understand exactly what it is. It's basically a commissioner's cup. I've seen it be called a commissioner's cup before. It's basically look at all the sports, not just the popular ones, but all of the sports. Who was the best when you accumulate points from all of them, with nine being the points that you get for winning the whole thing, seven for if you're second place, and then there's some rules in there if you tie as far as how you divide up the points and things of that nature. But overall, you look at Howard Men. They won by two, not even two. They won by 1.5 points. And if you want to look at the major sports, let's look at football. Let's look at men's basketball. And I'll throw track and field in there. Because I think track and field gets a little bit of, a little bit of talk, a little bit of noise, more so than all of the other sports. You'll hear about track and field. I think so, right? At least in my experience and the things that I'm personally around. So let's use that as our big three. Howard was tied for first in football. I've had my things about that, but that's how we're going to count it. And even if you want to go to second, they were tied for first in football. They technically have a share of the MEAC. You want to look at basketball. They were first place in the regular season and they won themselves a championship. So they were first in that. And then if you want to look at track and field, second in outdoors, second in indoors, second in cross country. So straight twos across the board. This is an extremely successful program, even when you're just looking at the notable sports. But matter of fact, that track and field, just that, that running in general, is exactly what won them this championship. Yes, I know they had twos across the board, and I know you had two first place finishes over there. But the fact that they were second place and not lower in indoors, outdoors, and then cross country is the exact reason why they were able to sneak past Norfolk State. See, Norfolk State, they come in first place outdoors, first place indoors, first place cross country. That's nine across the board. So that's 27 points off of those three sports alone. The reason that Howard was able to keep pace is because they were second in all of those sports. So now you're keeping pace. You're only six behind. And then what do you do? You come in with championships in football. You come in with championships in basketball. And that's what's able to push you past Norfolk State. That's what's able to give you that extra little bump to say, you know what? We're going to sneak past this by 1.5 points. The narrowest of margins. You look at that, mind you, the difference between first place and second place is two points. So let's just imagine instead of being a first place team in football, you're second place, like really second place. That's two points down. One, because they tied. It was, it was a weird. So they ended up getting eight points for that. But then you look at, let's just say basketball, they were second place. Nine drops to seven. That gives you two less points. You're not the champion here. On the women's side, landslide. Like, I mean, it wasn't even close. Beat the next competitor by almost 10 points. Like, this was not even a competition when it came to the women's. And you look at the primary sports. Volleyball, basketball, track and field. Success. Like, you, you see the success in the, in the sports that matter. If you just want to, that's why I really want to go back to the, when you're just looking at it. 
See, a lot of people be like, man, who even really care about golf? Who really care about tennis? Ain't nobody really worried about even, even volleyball to a certain extent. It's not a premier sport. Okay, well, let's look at football or basketball. Let's even throw track and field in there. You want the women's basketball in there? When you look at all of these things, how it was top two in every single one of the ones that you want to name. So when you're saying that they're the class, you know, I'm not even going to put that on you. I'll put that on myself. When I'm saying that Howard is the class of the MIAC, look at championships. I look at the notable sports. I look at the all sports awards for the men and the women's. And when I combine the points together, which is what I did a year ago, that's what I did a year ago with my own system. See, my mama always told me, boy, you need to work, work smarter, not harder. And as you could tell, I was never listening because to this day, 15 years and plus later, I'm still out here working significantly harder. I should have just used the MEAC point system, but I made my own scoring system. But when you look at the MEAC, when you look at me from last year, Howard had the most combined points. When you look at it this year, Howard won the men's and the women's. So obviously the most combined points and the women won by a landslide. So it really wasn't even close when you, when you want to combine the two. What metric do you want to pull out to tell me that Howard was not the class of the MEAC? The only thing you could possibly say is that North Carolina Central won the Celebration Bowl and we care about football more than anything else. I guess that's true, technically. Like if you just want to be technical about it, but that's extremely narrow-sighted. That is tunnel vision and that is focusing on one thing because what if I sit here and tell you, well, I only care about men's basketball. Howard won that, won a championship, made it to the NCAA tournament. Now, what do you say? If we're going to really talk about the class of a conference, we have to look at the full scope. We have to look at everything within the picture, or at least look at the most prominent people, at least look at the front row of the class picture. Don't just point out one student. And I'll leave it at that. Howard is undeniably the class of the MEAC. And moving forward and moving over to the SWAC, I look at Alabama A&M, and they're not just making changes. It feels like they're moving into a full-on era of innovation for multiple athletics. And we'll dive into what those innovations are as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts on the market. Listen, 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 listen. They come with this fabric that's this anti-stink sweat fabric. It's, it's, it sounds crazy to me, but overall... It basically means when you're moving around and you, you, you're running your errands and you're doing whatever you want to do on your bird dogs, down there ain't going to be stinking. That's what it's saying. Down there is not going to be funky. And these are shorts that come with, outside of just the smell factor of the fabric, just the ability to stretch. You could do a lunge in these, in these fabrics. You could sit around in these fabrics. They don't feel like that normal cotton that's kind of restrictive and kind of keeps you from moving. That's what I love about bird dogs because though I sit here, for 30 minutes and talk, I love to move around. And when I'm moving around, I always prefer to be in my bird dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on. And when you, excuse me, locked on college. And when you put in your order, use the promo code locked on college and you'll get a free Yeti tumbler with your purchase. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day on Friday's episode. We're back with another interview. We're back with another episode of our feature Friday, and we have the upstart, the rising superstar, superstar Ty Floyd coming on, who was just named one of the 15 women to watch in college football reporting. So I can't wait for that interview now. I want to look at Alabama A&M. I want to look at AAMU, not FAMU, because they are moving into an era of innovation. And I, I think the most clear way to look at that is probably thinking about the way that they're moving with the Magic City Classic. Dr. Paul Bryant, the athletic director for the university, sat down with really good friend of the show, Mo Carter on Fox 54 in an interview that if you can check it out, it's about 15 minutes. Go check it out on YouTube. Just type in Paul Bryant, Fox 54, and it'll probably pop up. I think that's what I typed in. So when you saw what he, what he was saying, they first, they were talking about the, the Magic City Classic and just how the language and the contract and how those things really just weren't working for the university. Okay, that's fine. But to step away from the Alabama Sports Council and say, we're going to form our own task force, not only for this game, but then also for homecoming, and then also for the Lewis Cruz Classic, which is going to be the opening game, I think that this is wonderful. I think that this is a true step of innovation and probably their greatest form of innovation that's coming out of this offseason because that's not an easy decision to make. Tradition, just comfort, and just saying, you know what? We've been with this for so long. We're going to take a step away from what we're used to and switch some things up and try to make not only this game special, not only make more money off of this game, but then also make two, three games during this season more special. I think it's a great idea. But the innovation doesn't stop there. And maybe equal to or maybe slightly below that level of innovation to me is the fact that they're going to change the field as well. They've already ripped up the turf and everything, but they're not putting regular turf back in there filled with the rubber pellets. Now, I don't know, because back when I played football, I had no problem with the rubber pellets. But then again, that was a decade ago. So maybe I should stop talking about when I played football. Because really, what does it matter anymore? What does it even count for? But I'm used to rubber pellets nonetheless. They're going to have this coconut husk. I, I guess this is something that's a little new. It's not something I've really heard of before. Heard that the Dallas Cowboys in this interview apparently do use the coconut husk or something of that sort. I thought this was fascinating because basically the science behind it is that the coconut husk is going to be able to cool better than the rubber pellets. The rubber pellets just get hot and it's still going to be turf, but it's just going to be coconut husk underneath instead of rubber pellets. So the ground could get cooler with a little bit of water. I'm assuming that it dries up easily because if you're just trying to put water on it to cool it off and it just ends up getting damp. That's another problem. But the coconut husk is supposed to work. And I think that's a great level of innovation because how many people are doing that? You're bringing in a new scoreboard or, or excuse me, um, a video board, which should enhance some of the tailgating process. Like they're really trying to improve fan interaction, trying to improve just player performance and just improve the overall game day procedures. And when speaking of things that people aren't doing, you're looking at tennis. And when you have tennis, they're going to put eight cameras on the tennis court 
so that they can stream their games. I know a lot of people have one camera and you can set it up on a tennis court where you can just put it probably like some feedback from the from the net long ways. You can see both players and you can just watch them rally back and forth and you'll be fine. That's basic, though. Like that, that's just base level to me. That's just base level streaming. But if you're having eight cameras on the court, the different angles that you can have. And this was inspired by the fact that they have a lot of international athletes on the tennis team. So maybe you have somebody who time zone isn't the best. They can't get over there, period. So now you have streaming, put it on demand, let the parent in, I don't know, Spain. So I'll just say Spain because uh, I was just thinking about Roger or Rafael Nadal. So we'll just say Spain. Now they can go watch it at any time. They don't have to be awake at the same time that they are in Alabama because they probably won't be. So I think that this is a great innovation of itself too because now you have a higher quality stream, not just streaming for the heck of it. But you look at baseball, softball. There's so many. I'm still listing. I still got another half of this list to go. Baseball, softball. You're going to make sure that you get new lights. They're ripping up the grass. They're going to put turf on it. So you're going to have all of the outdoor stadiums to have lights now because you don't want them to have to miss school. And they play so many games. They can't only play on the weekends. And if they're not playing on the weekends and they can't play at night, they have to play during weekday afternoons, meaning they're going to have to miss time because obviously you don't want to play baseball in the dark. Who's going to be able to locate the ball? So overall, changing the surface, getting themselves lights. Soccer, they're going to have – soccer's going to have a resurf – they're resurfacing their field too. So you have the event center is going to have more events in it and not just the JUCO tournament and not just Alabama A&M basketball. So when you're looking at the whole picture, you have changes in how you're operating football. You have changes in the field of football, soccer, baseball, softball. You have cameras so that you can actually open up streaming, which is something that they don't have in the swag for tennis, for your tennis team. Like these are innovations that other people simply are not doing. And then just trying to get on a national scale as far as going from the Alabama JUCO tournament to then trying to have the national juco tournament in the city of huntsville because that's not alabama a&m athletics however is going to still draw traction towards the school you've got to look at the whole picture remember we're not just looking at one student we're trying not to just look at that first line of students we're trying to look at the full class picture and there are so many sports so many different things happening at alabama a&m that they are really moving into what i believe and should be considered as an era of innovation, when you look at all of the different sports that are innovating, great move by Dr. Paul Bryant, no relation to Paul Bryant, no, no relation to the bear, but this is a really great move. And I think it's being led by somebody who clearly knows the right points to press to get change and knows the right places to affect change immediately. Now, going forward, this isn't quite changed, but this is history. And we're talking about Paula Salmon because she made not only North Carolina A&T history, but then also CAA history, talking about the conference as well. We'll dive into that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day making it all the way to segment three i thank you two times for that eventually i will learn to continue to put back up my 
my Twitter at the bottom of the screen after we do ad reads. That always trips me up, but it's okay. We're getting used to moving with this new platform, and I'm going to let you guys continue to peek behind the curtains because what I got to hide from my family for, right? What I got to hide was going on. Y'all see that the name and the Twitter wasn't down there, but it's there now. At South Exclusives. Starts with S, ends with an S. Paula Salmon, North Carolina A&T history, CAA history. Now, she made history as the first. We're going to start at North Carolina A&T and work our way to the conference after that. So we're going small to big. Um, Paula Salmon made history as the first women's 100-meter hurdler in North Carolina A&T history to be a two-time first-team first All-American. Now, the way she was able to accomplish this was by having an excellent postseason. When you look at the fact that she wasn't running under 13 the whole year, 13 seconds. She didn't run under 13 seconds the whole season, indoor, outdoor, none of that, right? But then outdoors, the, the, the championships, then you have the postseason coming in, coming around, excuse me, and she runs under 13 seconds every single race. So the last four races of her career, because she's done now, the last four races of her career, she ran under 13 seconds, which was something that she hadn't done all season. And I almost forgot to mention this, that in 2019, she was a second team All-American. So she also made history as the first three-time All-American in women's 100-meter hurdles for North Carolina a and That's another factor of it. When you look at what she was able to do, the, the run, she didn't automatically qualify to get into the finals. but she actually ran under 13 seconds in three hundredths of a second faster than a University of Tennessee sprinter. Now, everydayers, 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 we've been here. Y'all know what it is. Coach Dwayne Ross left North Carolina A&T to move on to the University of Tennessee. North Carolina A&T, did I say that right? I feel like I said Tennessee twice. But they left North Carolina A&T to go to Tennessee. I wonder. Now, maybe I'm petty. And I, I don't consider myself petty in real life. Like, just in everyday life, I don't think the mouth of the South is petty. I, I don't. Maybe maybe people who know me might disagree, but I don't think so. But when it comes to competition, when it comes to things like beating out the sprinter or the runner who is being coached by your former coach, I ain't going to lie. It make me feel a little better. I probably have a little chip on my shoulder. I probably feel like, huh, beat out you, your new girl. <laughs> That's probably how I'd feel. But... Maybe everybody's not as, maybe that's petty. I don't even know if that's petty. I think that's just competition in my opinion. But I don't know. Am I the only person who would think like that? I'm sure my everyday is. I'm sure y'all are with me. Family, 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 family. I'm sure that you guys are with me. But overall, I'm sure that made her feel a little bit better. It would if it was me in all seriousness that I beat out a University of Tennessee runner when my coach just left to go over there. I would already felt great that that's the run that put me into the finals. But the fact of who I just barely beat out probably be a little extra. That would be the cherry on top. Let's put it like that. So now in the finals, she goes from running 1291 in the semis. She runs 1292. Remember I told you she ran under 13 in all of her last four races. In this one, she was 100th off of her, off of her season best, 1291. So she ran really two of her best races, her two best races, in the end of the season just to win this title, or not to win this title, excuse me. She ended up being eighth place, and that's, that's what you needed. You need to be in the top eight in order to be a first-team All-American in this event, and she got eighth place 
And that's how she was able to make history. That's how she was able to get into the right spot and just say, you know what? I know my coach left. I know this is my last year. I know I could have left before that, but I'm, I came here to make a point. I came here to make a statement. I can do it here. And when you look at the CAA history, before we get into that a little deeper, when you get into CAA history, you're looking at the fact that she's the first runner, 100-meter hurdler in women, on the women's side to run under 13 seconds in the CAA. If anybody. I don't care what school you're talking about, at what time you're talking about, you could be talking about 1972, 1921. Like, she's the first one to do it. Paula Salmon. No one, no one will ever be first. This isn't one of those, she's the youngest person to do this. She's the first to do it, and you'll never be able to take that away. She'll be the first person to ever win or ever make the first team All-American in the 100-meter hurdles twice in North Carolina A&T history. Like, she'll always have those things. She'll always have those things. She's one of only three first-team All-Americans in CAA women's history, CAA women's track and field history, excuse me, since 2011. And to me, what makes this more special is the fact that she's a grad student. This is the end of the road to her. This is, the, this is it. So she ends her career as a first-team All-American. But she could have left last year. Like, she could have just been, I'm done. Don't even worry about it. I finished all I wanted to do, but she didn't. Not only could she have stopped running last year, she could have went to University of Tennessee, University of Tennessee with her coach. Yet she didn't. She very well could have, and I don't think anybody would have blamed her. But she said, you know what? I'm gonna stay here. And I think it's important to highlight why she didn't do either one of those. And I'll say it right here with this quote as we close it out. I have so much love for this school. I decided to stay because I wanted to add more to Aggie Nation and keep the Aggies on the map. I proved that I could still make it happen no matter the coach. And I think all of those things are important. They imperfectly, and I think they perfectly explain exactly why her staying and why her success was not only so important, but also so impactful. I thought that this was a big year for North Carolina A&T track and field. And the fact that they had 400 meter runners on the men's side in here, and they have Paula Salmon out here still making history. Big year and a successful career. So shout out to Paula, uh, Paula Salmon for her history. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day. Remember, on Friday's episode, we have Ty Floyd coming on to break down her story and her journey in this sports media landscape. And I'm really excited to tell that story as we continue with Locked on HBCU. But in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.